1: Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. And you can find out more. Give them a call. Just visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw. He is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll be talking about public education in Florida. We'll visit with Michael Cannon. He is a director of health care studies at the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about Obamacare and what's left of it. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And we'll visit with uh, former mayor of Naples, Mayor Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is August the 27th, and on this day in 1883, the most powerful volcan- volcanic eruption in recorded history occurred on Karatoa, a small uninhabited volcanic island located west of Sumatra in Indonesia. On the 27th of 1883, heard 3,000 miles away, the explosions threw five cubic miles of earth 50 miles into the air. Can you imagine the power? Created a 120 foot tsunami. And killed 36,000 people. Of the estimated 36,000 deaths resulting from the eruption, at least 31,000 were caused by the tsunamis created when much of the island fell into the water. The greatest of these waves measured 120 feet high and washed over nearby islands, stripping away vegetation and carrying people out to sea. Another 4,500 people were scorched to death from the psychoplastic flows that rolled over the sea, stretching as far as 40 miles, according to some sources. In addition, uh, which is the volcano, which is uh, still active, Indonesia has 130 active volcanoes, the most of any country in the world. Shocking. 120-foot waves. Unbelievable. Well, on the va- anniversary of the most powerful volcanic eruption ever, Hurricane Laura is battering Louisiana and Texas coast as it's made landfall early t- this morning. It's an extremely dangerous cata- Category 4 storm. It was centered 15 miles northwest of Lake Charles, Louisiana, as of uh, 4 a.m., in its maximum winds have weakened to 130 miles from 150 miles an hour. More than 290,000 homes and businesses are without power in Louisiana and Texas as of 4 a.m., probably more by now. And Laura moved inland, blocked roads, downed power lines, and flooding could also show and uh, reduce rescue efforts. Storm surge could be as much as 20 feet and could reach 40 miles inland, if you can believe that. So this is a horrific uh, hurricane. Uh, some are saying the worst ever uh, that landed on uh, our, the coast of the United States. So our prayers go out to the folks that are there in Louisiana, Texas, and in the eye of the storm. Well, Florida uh, Department of Health reported 25 new cases of COVID-19 over the, and four additional deaths in Collier County. Among those listed are an 86-year-old man his case was counted on July the 19th. And again, I just repeat, and I'm sorry to repeat this, but I just have real suspicions about whether the cause of death for some of these people is truly COVID-19. Uh, uh, the cumulative death total for Collier County is 170 there are 25 new cases, increased to uh, the Collier's total to 11,376. Only 25 new cases. Can you believe that? The seven-day average for cases dropped to 51 through Tuesday, which is less than half of the average on August 5th, and thus on a quarter of what it was on July the 13th, when the high was uh, at 221. Well, Wednesday, there were uh, 63 COVID cases, patients in the, in the Collier County Hospitals, that's four fewer patients than they were reported at approximately the same time on Tuesday. The county has 23% of its total hospital beds available and 40% of its ICU beds available. Seems to me the hospital should be concerned about the vacancies there. In other words, the, the main concern, though, again, is remember they're f- flattening the curve for health care, and that curve has certainly been flattened for sure. It's actually decreasing. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention now say that asymptomatic people no longer need to get tested for the novel coronavirus. It's quite a change that the uh, federal agencies recently made to its online guidelines regarding COVID-19. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention now say asymptomatic people no longer need to get tested for the coronavirus. That's, uh, that makes no sense. It's, isn't this the big concern about asymptomatic folks spreading the disease? don't understand that. But a lot of that comes out of public health agencies doesn't make sense to me anyhow. Well, the uh, Naples housing market has soared in July with 35% more closing as compared to a year ago. Prices are going up as well. So the question is is it pent up demand or urban flight? I think it might be a combination of both. It would be nice if every home sale required a basic civics and economics course before closing. I don't think that will happen, but hopefully people will not pollute uh, the bastion of uh, conservative thought we have here on the Paradise Coast. Well, Wednesday night's theme for the Republican National Convention was Land of Heroes with Vice President Mike Pence as the headliner, accepting the VP nomination, speaking from historic Fort Henry in Baltimore. That's, of course, where the uh, national anthem was written. Uh, Other speakers included Second Lady uh, Karen Pence, Senators uh, Marsha Blackburn and Joni Ernst, uh, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, she was terrific, Uh, Representatives Dan Cranshaw from Republican from Texas, Elise Stefanik, she is uh, really super, and Lee Zeldin, he was terrific as well, Rick Grinnell, Kellyanne Conway, who of course is resigning and leaving the administration at the end of the year, congressional candidates Madison Cawthorn, he's the one who was paralyzed in an automobile accident, and Burgess Owens, former football great uh, and running for Congress in Utah, Pence ripped uh, Democrats for spending four days attacking America and talking about a season of darkness. He says, "While Biden sees a season of darkness, we see American greatness." He said this in uh, challenging times. We need a president who actually believes in America. Under President Trump, we will stand with those who stand on the th- uh, on the thin blue line, and we're not going to defund the police now, not ever," said President uh, said uh, Vice President uh, Pence. Their agenda is based on government control. Ours is based on freedom. And I think that one statement uh, says it all, doesn't it? Pence ripped Biden for wanting to give free health care and lawyers to illegal immigrants. He says Biden supports taxpayer-funded abortion right up to birth. And Biden said he will be a, a, Biden will be a Trojan horse for the radical left. Uh, Trump joined him on the stage, uh, along with Melania. And Trace Adkins performed the national anthem. It was pretty special. I didn't see it, but I saw uh, tapes of it this morning. All the speakers were outstanding with individual messages about bravery and valor. I'd like to single out Sister Deedee Byrne talked about her untraditional journey to religious life. She joined the Army as a medical student at Georgetown in 1978 to pay for tuition and devoted 29 years to the military, serving as a doctor and surgeon in places like Afghanistan and the Sinai Peninsula. She says that while we tend to think of the marginalized as living beyond our borders, the truth is the largest marginalized group in the world can be found in the United States. They are the unborn pretty impactful. It was really impactful. What a great woman she is. Tara Myers, a school choice advocate, talked about education freedom and her child with Down syndrome. She says she's thankful that Trump values the life of the unborn. She says Trump does not dismiss her son and showed him he's valued and gave him an equal seat at the table. She thanked Trump for their work on education freedom. It was another terrific evening for the Republican National Convention. It was substantive. It was uplifting. And I can see why so many Democrats will choose to vote for Trump and Pence in November. It was just absolutely very, very inspiring. Well, buoyed by black voters and independent voters, as well as urban dwellers, shocked by the Black Lives Matter protest violence raging in some cities, President Trump's approval rating has hit a new high, according to a survey heavy with minority voters. The latest Zogby Analytics poll just shared with Secrets, uh, had uh, Trump's approval rating at 52%. Now, this is a national poll. That's amazing. Uh, The president has recorded his best job approval rating on record. Uh, What's more, his approval rating among minorities was solid, and in the case of African Americans, shockingly high. Zogby said 36% of blacks approve of the president, as do 37% of Hispanics and 35% of Asians. Approval among independent voters is also up to 44%, and intriguingly, to 23% of Democrats approve of Trump and his performance as, as the president. In the national polls, one point separates Biden uh, 46% to Trump 45%. The race is a dead heat even to these biased national polls. Well, Trump said he's going to send federal law enforcement, the National Guard, to Kenosha after Jacob Blake's shooting. We will not stand for looting, arson, violence, and lawlessness on American streets, President Trump tweeted. The U.S. Department of Justice is also conducting a civil rights investigation into the Kenosha Police Department and the shooting of Jacob Blake. The Justice Department announced on Wednesday night that the FBI will be working with the Wisconsin Division of Criminal Investigation and other state authorities to review the actions taken by the Kenosha Police to see if Blake's civil rights were wrongfully violated. Federal authorities are committed to investigating this matter as thoroughly and efficiently as possible, said the department. Of course Blake was uh, 29 he was left paralyzed after shot, uh, officer shot him now if the video of this shows it's it's appalling actually he was shot seven times in the back but apparently new evidence will come out as it has uh, with uh, the court filings the medical examiner for George Floyd said he had a fatal level of fentanyl in his system Uh, The Hennepin County's uh, office released this document. Dr. Andrew Baker, the chief Hennepin County medical examiner, who reviewed uh, George Floyd's blood level and tests, said that the substance found led him to conclude that it was an overdose death. Now, see how we jump to conclusion about things and what's happened with, uh, with the Blake. Well, the same thing has happened here. With uh, George Floyd, and uh, one medical examiner—not not all of them, but one—said he died because of a fentanyl fentanyl overdose. Finally, on this, I just want to mention the Milwaukee Bucks backed out of their playoff game Wednesday in protest of the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, and uh, this, so the NBA just then ended up ended up postponing the day uh, and the playoff schedule. And in the end, nothing was sacrificed. Not nothing was accomplished. The Buck players didn't make a sacrifice. They weren't forced to forfeit, and Game 5 will still happen at a later date. I wonder if these professional athletes understand the impact they're having on people like me who don't want to watch professional sports, and uh, people like them who are such talented athletes uh, trying to send a message. We can make up our own mind. We don't need to hear from them. They should just play basketball in my view. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit Johnson'sAirConditioning.com. Also played by Naples Illustrated, playing, uh, bringing you, brought to you by Naples Illustrated. Uh, visit the website, NaplesIllustrated.com. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Flaw, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs>
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob
1: Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is B's Diner, providing great service, Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented Associate Artistic Director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pin-Up Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March. Written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents impetuous young lovers and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Hartman Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. I hope you check out the website. It's... It's pretty robust. Uh, Visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Healthcare Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith Flaw is the uh, co-founder of a terrific organization getting great things done for public school students and parents of uh, public school students all over Florida. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. It is actually the Florida Citizens Alliance. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance.
2: And we're a uh, statewide coalition of now well, well over 100 uh, different groups and uh, close to 70,000 people now, um, and we focus on K through 12 education reform. Uh, to that, to us, that means uh, strongly advocating for uh, school choice, and uh, we also work very hard trying to get the doctrination. Um, both socialism and uh, pornography out of our school
1: system uh, textbooks. So, yeah, and I, I would say just doing an outstanding job, having major influence in Tallahassee with the uh, legislators as well as the uh, director uh, of uh, education. He not he's not the director; he's a commissioner of education, uh, Corcoran. But, so, uh, it's it, uh, just doing a great job. I encourage our listeners to go to the website uh, goflca.org dot org. Go fl ca.org. So, uh, Keith, uh, the the uh, judges overturned, I guess, Corcoran's. Uh, I guess it's a mandate or edict to start public schools in uh, at brick-and-mortar schools in August. Can you give us some detail on this?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, well, it's a, it, the the court case was originally filed in two places. It was filed in Miami and then in, in Orange County, and then it was moved to uh, Tallahassee to a circuit court judge up there. His name is uh, Charles Dodson. Um, so he he's decided, uh, progressive judge, he decided he was going to try to legislate from the bench. So he ruled it unconstitutional, but the uh, order was immediately stayed based on appeal. The only question uh, I have, and, and I don't know the answer to this, is: Will it go directly to the state supreme court, or will it go through an intermediate step, mm-hmm. um, you know, of a of an appeals court? Um, if you think back to the the, the um, constitutional revision commission a couple of years ago, where uh, there was an education it was Amendment Eight um, that uh, it was ruled unconstitutional. And uh, the attorney general was uh, at that time, Pam Bondi was able somehow, and I don't know the details, not a lawyer, but she was able to get that directed immediately to the Supreme Court rather than going through all these steps, which, you know, the unfortunate part about Dodson's order is um, uh, we have 2.8 million kids in public schools. 800,000 of them are already back in d- daily brick and mortar schools. Uh, so this just creates huge confusion.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I you know it's it's unfortunate um you know this case was brought by the uh, teachers unions um who in my opinion care less about the kids <laughs> but that's another story Well
1: that, that's, um, I think it's fair to say it. it's certainly not their top priority
2: Yeah um Sadly Yeah unfortunately uh, when you look at what's going on in you know nationally with the unions um uh, you know it's just it's just unconscionable in my opinion but um but so that uh, uh, you know, stay tuned. Uh, I, I think that'll go to the next level of court, whether that's the appeals court or the Supreme Court, very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to my contacts up there, and they're expecting it within day, day or days or so.
1: Well, well done, Keith. I mean, uh, the uh, fortunately uh, here in Cuyahoga County, I guess we're going to move forward. Schools open on Monday, and uh, do you know? I think what I think there's forty percent of the students are expected to end up to show up. Uh, parents are choosing to send them to break them more to schools.
2: I've heard different numbers. Um, the, the last number I heard was forty-two percent.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I think that's in the ballpark. Uh, I haven't seen anything in writing, so I, I, you know, I really can't tell you what the the real numbers, but I talk, uh, it's amazing how many parents that I'm talking to who are just uh, not sending their kids back um, and looking at either the, the, what this public school is offering in terms of distant learning or seriously looking at homeschooling. There's yeah. a clear difference in my mind. Um, you know, one is uh, just getting uh, what I call the bad content, studying <laughs> at home, yeah. and, and and the other is really a serious Um, quality um, education through groups like uh, um, Classical Conversations and others. So
1: Well, if there's any time, you know, from a crisis, there's always always an opportunity. One of the opportunities here is for school choice. Parents now can think about the the choices they can make. I think it's a great time to start charter schools. I think it's a great time for homeschooling. Uh, I would love to see more and more competition in public schools for public schools. In fact, if I had my way, if I could wave a magic wand, we'd convert many of the public schools to charter schools and uh, have boards of direct and get rid of the school board <laughs> and move forward yeah. that way.
2: Well, I've got a great idea. Um, it, it, we, we get, it, it, after this next election, um, there may be some changes at the, at the Department of Education, and I think we should get DeSantis to, to appoint you Commissioner of Education. Yeah. Like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's so interesting. So, Keith, <laughs> Keith, you've got a big fundraiser going right now. Uh, and I want to talk to you about a couple of events, but can you give us an update?
2: Yes, uh, this kind of came about, uh, Pastor Rick actually came up with the idea, he does your show frequently, um, about a month ago to bring D'Souza in, D'Souza, uh, Dinesh D'Souza, we had him here three years ago, and uh, he's got a new, uh, uh, just releasing a new documentary, Right. Uh, and he's, uh, w- we're actually bringing him in uh, to, to Alfie Oaks Seed to Table yep. on the uh, the 7th of October. Um, we released that uh, that event uh, publicly uh, at ten o'clock last Monday, and in four days, uh, and we have a capacity of two hundred twenty-two people, and we've got about twenty-five seats left. Oh man, so, uh, it's uh, it's just going uh, crazy. Yeah. Um, but it's really going to be a great event. We particularly tailored it to the business community. That the title of the of those talk and 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 the event is uh, socialism. No business escapes. And so, what we're really trying to do, there's far too many businesses here locally, small businesses. When you talk to them, they say, "I agree with uh, the, fa- you know, m- many of the things you're saying about uh, what's going on in our schools and, et cetera, et cetera." But I can't get engaged because I'm going to lose customers. Well, it's time for businesses to realize that if they don't engage in this in this fight for the, for free markets and our and our current system, they won't have a business. Yeah. And many of them don't get yeah. that, unfortunately. So um, we're, we're attempting to, to wake them up.
1: Absolutely. And and the Latin, uh, the other event, of course, you can find out more by going to goflca.org. The other event is uh, this is really great. It's going to be a, a debate between the two candidates for District 19 uh, con- uh, Congressional seat.
2: Yes. Um, this, th- this idea came up literally. We turned it around in 24 hours in terms of getting it. Uh, it's going to be at the Greek Orthodox Church Uh, The date is the um, uh, the twenty third of September, the day before um, vote by mail ballots go out here in Collier County.
1: Fantastic, and
2: and, uh, it will be a live event, limited to one hundred and fifty people. So we'll be putting out a a registration system. uh, So um, because of COVID, it's it's a hard fast requirement for no more than one hundred and fifty people. But we will also live stream it. Yeah, and it literally literally is the day before. You know, all of our quote by mail ballots go out. So, yeah. it, 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 there ought to be, this is not going to be a forum. This is going to be a debate between, you know, two very different candidates with very different views.
1: Outstanding. And so I'm
2: really looking forward to it.
1: Me too. <laughs> Keith Law, again, co founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Please visit the we- very robust website, org Keith, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Uh, terrific, Bob. You guys, uh, you, you and your listeners have a great weekend.
1: You as well. Thank you, Keith. Great interview. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon. He is the health director of healthcare studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I proudly serve on the board. I hope you'll visit the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Mayor Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is director of healthcare studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute for those that may not know what it's all about.
3: So the Cajunato Institute is a uh, fintech in Washington, D.C., dedicated to the principles of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. And what that means is that regardless of what area of human endeavor we're talking about, we want to expand individual liberty, expand your ability to to live your life the way that you want as long as you respect the the equal rights of others. And uh my area is health policy and that means we want you to be able to control your health care dollars and control your health care decisions rather than having some uh, uh politician or an unelected bureaucrat either at your state capital or in Washington D C making your health care decisions for
1: you. Uh, yeah, and Grant, cato.org is the website, cato.org. And needless to say, cato uh, aligns very well with uh, my own beliefs about uh, freedom and uh, personal freedom and, and uh, keeping the government out of our pockets and our bedrooms and every place else. So, uh, my- Michael, uh, I wanted to talk to you about Obamacare because this was a law that was passed, most conceived of it as the step towards one payer system. Uh, uh, and uh, right now, I, I don't know what's happened to it. It's going to the Supreme Court, apparently. How many people are enrolled? Is it a good deal? Can you can you tell us about it?
3: Sure. So you know, the Affordable Care Act, or what we call Obamacare, is a law Congress passed 10 years ago in 2010, and there are a lot of elements to it. It expanded the Medicaid program, which is one of the welfare programs that you mentioned the Foundation for Government Accountability and others have been trying to, uh, to to limit and to help people leave so that they could be self sufficient. Um, and it, it's but it's the the provision of the Affordable Care Act that gets the most focus. And the set of provisions are those that took over the private health insurance market mm-hmm. uh, and took away your right to decide how uh, what kind of health insurance you're going to buy uh took away the your right to purchase insurance at an actuarially fair premium, which means if you are low risk, your premiums would be lower. And uh, there's a lot of dissatisfaction with the individual market for health insurance. This is, of course, where, when I say individual market, I mean the market where you buy insurance directly from an insurance company rather than get health insurance through an employer. And there's now a lot of dissatisfaction with that market. Premiums have skyrocketed as a result of all of the regulations that the uh, Affordable Care Act has uh, loaded onto uh, that market. Uh, I believe we've discussed before how the pre-existing conditions provisions in Obamacare have ironically made health insurance worse for many sick people because they reward insurance companies for uh, uh for dumping coverage that sick people yeah. want and uh, and so what has happened is that there are a lot of people who were thrown out of reasonably secure coverage uh, back in 2014 when the Aca took play uh t- t- took full effect and are now left with more expensive and inferior coverage uh, and the market as uh, for uh individual health insurance policies has uh contracted as a result, there's there's really two markets now. One is in the Affordable Care Act exchanges, uh where you can get subsidies to help you buy this very expensive coverage if you have a moderate income. And uh and the what we call the off exchange market where you're again buying directly from an insurance company but you're not eligible for those subsidies because you're outside of the exchange. And uh the enrollment in the ACA has shrunken, uh, in ACA plans, has shrunken dramatically off exchange where there are no subsidies. And on the exchange, you've got 12 million or so people who are buying health insurance, and uh, most of them are receiving subsidies from the government because there's no other way they could afford
1: Yeah, See, so uh, Michael, in my view, what I would imagine is that healthy people say, well, even with the subsidies, this insurance is getting so so expensive, I'll go ahead and at least look around and see if I can get a policy that's less expensive, even without the subsidy. I would imagine some of that is going on, so what should end up, or what probably will end up is... Uh, people who uh, have pre-existing conditions that couldn't qualify for insurance will be on the plan, but their premiums will be very high, even after the subsidy.
3: So the way the subsidies work, uh, you pay a fixed portion of your income, uh, regardless. Uh, uh, you pay a fixed portion of your income if you um, if you purchase uh, a given plan. What they call the a, a, a silver-level plan.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: and you can... Uh, it, it's a bit complicated, but some people can get uh, ACA coverage with uh, without any uh, paying anything out of pocket for their premiums. Wow. Um, and uh, other... But if you want a more comprehensive plan, you can pay more. The subsidies can be, as that suggests, they can be very comprehensive. They can be very generous, uh, inflating you from the cost of these plans entirely. But there are a lot of people who uh, don't get a very uh, uh, generous subsidy, and there are a lot of people who don't qualify for a subsidy at all.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: And for those people, the plans are so expensive that uh, that they uh, don't buy coverage. They try to get it someplace else if they can. Some people go without coverage because they figure, you know what? I can probably, if I get sick, I can probably make it to the next open enrollment period, which is November and December of, the, of, uh, of each year. That's the only time you can really enroll in an ACA plan. Uh, the, the, the ACA takes away your freedom to purchase health insurance for 10 or 11 months out of the year. Uh, a lot of people think, I-, I can make it that far. I'll go without health insurance yeah. because the, was one thing the ACA does tell people is, if you wait until you're sick to buy insurance and you can make it to the next open enrollment period, then uh, the insurance companies have to sell you insurance. And uh, and so it does create a disincentive yeah. for people to enroll in insurance while they're still healthy and when their insurance premiums would help pay the medical bills of others. Um
1: yeah. I so, Michael, want, Michael it appears, Go ahead, yeah, I was going to say, it seems to me that the the president wants, said he wants to make sure that people get insurance with pre existing insurance. Well, that's exactly what Obamacare does. Seems to me that they, if if he was design his health care plan, and, I, and I, frankly, I'd like to see us out of get out of the private markets or or get out of a government. Controlled health care altogether, but given that it's probably not going to happen, I'd prefer. You know, I wonder why the president just keep was it just keep Obamacare and then create other programs uh, through the private sector uh, for people who are healthy.
3: Well, that's basically what the president has done. There is a, uh, a provision of federal law that exempts a certain class of health insurance from Obamacare regulation and uh, all other federal health insurance regulation. And that type of health insurance, thanks to some changes that the president made in the uh, uh, executive branch's interpretation of that law, can offer what you might call renewable term health insurance mm-hmm. that lasts as long as you want it to last and, uh, wh- and where you can buy only the coverage that you want and, that, and, and at an actuarially care premium. So that actually reduces... Uh, the cost of health insurance compared to Obamacare for many people by 70%.
1: Does that, is and it guaranteed renewable?
3: It can be, Yeah, uh, There are, uh, the, the Trump administration in 2018 issued uh, uh, an interpretation of the law that said, look, there's nothing in federal law that prevents insurance companies from uh, making these plans guaranteed renewable, which means that if you enroll when you're healthy and then get cancer, you still pay a healthy person premium. You don't pay a cancer patient
1: premium. Yeah, you know what? This you is, is such. A, out
3: of your plan, and you can always renew it.
1: This is such an interesting topic, and uh, uh, Michael I have so many other questions. I hope you'll come back on the show. I'd like to talk to you about this further. Again, Michael Cannon, director of healthcare studies at the Cato Institute, Cato.org, cat Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Anytime, Bob. Thanks. My pleasure, indeed. Uh, Sorry to interrupt the the flow of that conversation. It was so fascinating to me, but uh, we need to move on because I have another scheduled guest, and that would be Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Mayor Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, Florida. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seaton. Tell us about less government.
5: Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government. And um, yeah,
1: (laughs) yes. Well, there is some hope, Seaton. I'm pretty pleased with what I'm hearing from the uh, uh, the Republican National Convention.
5: It's the most conservative Republican convention ever, yeah, that I that I remember, and I you know I don't remember the 1868 you know convention, right? Uh, Certainly in my lifetime and it's the most substantive convention of either party that i remember. Uh, most of these things are tv shows, you know, they're fluff and balloons and and you know, uh, funny hats and and all that. This is just speaker after speaker is just here's some more substance and here's some more substance. Yeah, and it's framed within the the other stuff, you know, it's a, it's a it's a eight generation lobsterman, you know, talking about how Trump got his tariffs dropped in Europe. Uh you know it's 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 a, it's a great human story because like like a, a buddy of mine said I can't go three generations back. He's an eighth generation lot. Yeah
1: yeah. Minute.
5: And 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 you know, it's it's a very it's it's a compelling human interest story, like the Olympics. That's what that's why everybody watches the Olympics. It's not the sports; it's the stories of these people who you know put three years into getting there. Um, so it's the human interest of this eighth-generation lobsterman and substance, which is my life got better because Trump dumped these tariffs uh-huh. out of Europe. Yeah. and it, it's it's brilliant. It's just it's 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 far and away the best convention i have ever
1: seen substantive is exactly the word i used and i think it's also inspiring it makes me proud it's the same type of pride that i felt after watching the state of the union president trump's state of the union uh, speech last year one speaker after another just for they're their they're different they're unique but very substantive i just it's
5: it's, it's like they built a, a huge puzzle with a thousand different pieces and every piece fits yeah like it each speaker fills a different hole in the in the in the giant mosaic they're building. It's really really well done.
1: Yeah. Hey, listen, you did some great. Uh, I'm gonna call it journalism, investigative <laughs> on this. Perhaps Elon Musk shouldn't have borrowed 1.6 billion dollars from communist China. What are you?
5: <laughs> yeah. Tell after, us. after we've given him like six billion dollars in government grants, yeah. here, here, have some more money. Um, what happened was he he wanted to build a giant uh, Tesla manufacturing plant in China and I read this story about it opening and all these Chinese government officials there of course I naturally assumed uh that China government was involved because it's being built in China yeah. but then to have all those executives there I went wait a minute what is a 2019 securities and exchange commission SEC filing where The Chinese government helped him negotiate 1.6 billion dollars in loans to build the plant. So the problem is okay. Here's the problem. It all started because Cory Gardner, the senator from Colorado, was wisely trying to add two amendments to the NASA's funding uh, that said. If you have any relationship with China, you can't get NASA contracts. And t- uh, SpaceX, uh, Musk's space company, was lobbying against the amendments. Yeah, and I went, well, this is weird because he's had intellectual property stolen by China, Tesla. In fact, a a um, a, a, a Tesla official in China walked out the front door. Uh, he was working for. Uh, 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 the uh, Autonomous Car uh, Division, and then walked over and all of a sudden china 's making the exact same autonomous car. Uh. Um, so I said, "Well, this is interesting. Why the hell is he fighting these amendments? Well, our first thing I found out was Tencent uh, ten, you pronounce it Tencent if you want, but it's ten, I think it 's tencent um, is the company that does WeChat, which is the one of the apps that trump 's banning because right. China uses it to spy. Well, in 2017, Tencent bought 5% of, of Tesla. Hmm. And that was, that, I thought that was a pretty big deal until I <laughs> kept digging and found the SEC filing where, to get his plant built, the Chinese government guaranteed him, or got, delivered him $1.6 billion in loans for the plant.
1: So the, the, so the tentacles- now
5: we know why he's lobbying against the amendments to exclude China-affiliated companies from NASA. Because SpaceX is doing some pretty... They're launching s- spy satellites yeah. for the United States. Yeah, and, and, of course, there's all kinds of cross-pollination right. between uh, Tesla and SpaceX. They're both owned by Musk. He even hired a guy from Apple in 2016, I think, to coordinate efforts between SpaceX and Tesla. So if... The Chinese government has access to Tesla. They pretty much have access to SpaceX. Yeah. And since you know we got SpaceX launching spy satellites and high 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 security uh, things into space, probably don't want them affiliated with China.
1: This is one of the most scary stories. I mean, it's just real life application of how the uh, communist Chinese steal. Uh, our it or intellectual property they do it by uh, f- <laughs> this is a clear case they're funding uh, the development of a plant in their area they're going to have access to the to the intellectual property they'll end up duplicating it stealing it and then they end up uh, knowing not only will they be able to to replicate what we're doing but they'll be able to understand and know how we're doing it and uh, well, no yeah
5: they can they can they, they can tell we'll, we'll be telegraphing what we're doing um Yeah, Yeah, and what's interesting is there's a a neat little five-step process China does. They steal the IP, Mm -hmm. they then walk it over to uh, Chinese universities and immediately file for patents Mm -hmm. in China Mm -hmm. of the stuff they just stole. So then it becomes a, a patent versus patent war, even though everyone knows China just stole it. From us yeah. or whomever, not just us. I don't steal from just the United States, of course. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's a little problematic, but, you know, because, again, he owes them $1.6 billion dollars do you think anybody will walk in and go, you know, you know, as part of the interest rate on your on your loan, yeah.
1: we'd like some more uh, intellectual property. Yeah, properties. exactly. <laughs> Unbelievable. What a great story, Seaton. I think you should be so pleased about this. Again, Seaton Motley, the founder and uh, president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit the website lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
5: Thank you very much, sir.
1: My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with uh, Mayor Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. We're going to do that more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: you listen to the bob hardin show so why not market your company to our loyal listeners ads are played live on each show and then archived, so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience Each advertising package includes a banner on bobharden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to bobharden at hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did.
3: Oh, my God.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Mayor Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Bill, thank you so much for joining us.
4: Bob, my pleasure, always, regardless of what the weather's like on a Thursday, right? Yeah,
1: exactly, and you know, this, this hurricane, it's horrific. I mean, storm surge could be up as 20 feet going f- to uh, 40 miles, and we're talking about Laura hitting the coast of Texas and uh, Louisiana. This is very scary stuff, but it did remind me of you on the Weather Channel and other stations uh, <laughs> during uh, the hurricane back in the day. What was it, about, about 15 years ago, something like that?
4: Oh no! Well, yeah, I, I wasn't quite that long ago, but uh, you know, our latest one—that uh, was, was uh, Irma. Yeah, and uh, that was—it seems like it was yesterday, but it was probably four years ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll tell you, yeah, I had Wilma, Charlie, Irma, Andrew. Uh, you know, some were minor, some were minor, and some were big time. But nonetheless, the fear factor when they were coming your way is hard to explain to anybody and and watching these um, these poor souls uh you know in Texas Louisiana up and down that that whole coastline um not knowing and that like you said that storm surge is is the scariest thought ever people think that it's uh, the hurricane itself but it 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 is it is the storm surge that Put us in a panic, uh, so to speak, with the Naples because if it hadn't broken up, uh, we would have been underwater, Bob.
1: Oh, you know, I was telling you, we we actually stayed at the uh, uh, Tiburon. Uh, Linda didn't want to be a stay right. here, seeing our so we, so we ended up staying there. and I said we we watched what was happening. And I said, Linda, the, the worst is coming. The second part of the storm is we're going to see the storm surge. It fell apart. It was almost like a miracle.
4: Right. Right, yeah, we, we were blessed, I'll tell you. And and, and, and you know, those are the things that, I mean, I, I can we all feel a ton of compassion for what we're witnessing and watching. And yet, if you and if you've been there, I'm not saying it's any more for me, but I'll tell you what, it just makes me queasy because I just can, it brings up some of those emotions, you yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, then, and then everything else that's going on, you know, I mean, we all of a sudden, the COVID took a back seat. You know, but because of the uh, because of the hurricane, because of the protests, um, and I, you know, w- we're in the, we're in interesting uh, but concerning times for sure.
1: Well, this the shooting Kenosha guy shot in the back seven times. There's going to be two sides. Right. Of the story information is already starting to come out that he was. Uh, uh, apparently, brandishing a knife and the struggle and so forth, but nevertheless, now we're seeing uh, that the NBA, uh, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, decided they weren't going right. to play in their game. They canceled that day of games for the uh, playoffs. So we're seeing the same yeah. thing in the WNBA or whatever it is, the uh, women's the NBA. And uh, and then seeing some baseball games canceled as well. What are your thoughts on that?
4: Well. If I look at the the big picture look bob i'm I might be totally wrong. I understand and I support uh what their what their message is okay um but if you look at the long run and you think what is gonna be the outcome uh the the millions of fans that that were watching and the care they i think we understand and get the message uh if they want to cancel a, a, a game or two and how much it meant to us, as a, if I was an avid basketball fan, let's say, um, mm-hmm. um, and I, I understand that message loud and clear. How could you not? Regardless of, of what the circumstances were when that um, gentleman was shot seven times in the back there isn't any soul around here that's going to think that that was was right, mm-hmm. uh regardless and and you know you've got to wait till the facts come out, but I think we got the message
1: yeah absolutely
4: and I think once they make that message, Bob, that it's time okay. We want you to understand what what we're all about, and then go back and 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 play the game. Can't just keep it going like this. It's just too many people really get hurt and I don't think it does any good. Make the initial message, make it strong like they did. Man, I understand as a fan. Um and they and they're right in doing that. But for how long I'm, I'm having a hard time with that.
1: Well, a couple, a couple of my reactions. First is, uh, what sacrifice did they make? They didn't play any game, but my guess is they're only postponing the game. They're going to end up getting paid. They, you know, their statement, uh, quite frankly, is not a sacrifice on their part. Uh, I right. understand they're upset about this, but the, the the second thing, too, is they are represent a distraction for all of us in the, the warp and woof of daily existence. We want to, you know, we, why do we do that? We we want to get engaged in the game, root for the team that we want to win and so forth. It's a distraction from all the problems we face in our daily lives, kids that get sick, the, you know, all the things that happen, the loss of jobs, right. you, you name it. And now they're ruining it for us. I mean, why can't they just do their jobs
4: well like I said Bob you're you're right also I, I'm what I'm saying is hey you know growing up or whatever or growing up for all of us I think uh, when our parents or, or our guardian or whatever made a made a uh, gave us a very strong message you will be in this house by nine or hmm. you will whatever we we got that message okay this is a million times stronger and what's been happening, but we got the message yeah. and you're right. Okay. Let's go back because you are a diversion for us. Right. You you take off the, the uh, take away the COVID for a few hours. You take away whatever, because we're excited. We're sports fans and we respect you. Yeah. Okay. We do respect you. And, uh, but for how long, that's my point. Like you said, well, they will play. Yeah. I mean, the question is, we don't know when they're going to play. Yeah, exactly. And, and Hey. How much do you, do you beat it into us? I hate to use that term. That's a cliche, but still. Yeah.
1: we got it uh, we got it exactly well so, and, and these are the most talented players these these people are the most talented of the most talented I mean they're so uh you know it's uh, you know p- do your job just go out and play the game so you know and you could ex- if you want to express those things get a newspaper ad or whatever I just that's just my view bill but yeah
4: uh, oh there's a lot there bob and you're you're right and I think we're all right I think there are a lot of people this morning that are and maybe they weren't involved, but they watch what's going on. They read the papers. They see the news. I mean, myself included, my wife, my bulldog, anybody. But yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I
1: but do. We I got it. Uh, yeah, exactly. So any, any good scoop in Naples?
4: <laughs> with all this going on, I think it's, it's it's pretty tame. I know that the city partnered up with, uh, with the hospital for an educational series on COVID, which I personally think... Uh, my own opinion, non-solicited, is a total waste of time. How much more education yep. can you give someone after all this time on COVID, right? Exactly. You tell me, wash your friends, uh, you know, watch your social distancing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, The word was they were going to spend $50,000. I think that's been put on hold, at least I hope it has. I do, too. That's my sense. My two cents
1: worth. Well, in Cuyahoga County, the number of cases—I think it went down to 26 cases yesterday. You can only hope that with school going back in session on the 31st, that will keep this uh, this level of contagion low. Hopefully, hopefully, we're seeing a reduction in this entire thing, and hopefully, we'll right. s- see that Governor DeSantis made great decisions, allowing local uh, authorities to make the uh, make the decisions for their own communities. So, uh, right reason for optimism, Mayor Bill.
4: Always, Bob. Always, I am the eternal optimist uh, and will remain so. Uh, hopefully, for the rest of my life. But uh, you're right. You're, you're you are right. And uh, as I say, we'll uh, we'll get there.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Mayor Bill Barnett. I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show and joining us today. Thanks so much for joining us.
4: Hey, Bob, have a good one, all right? Get you have here. a great
1: one as well. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, uh, we're going to visit with Byron Donalds. Our, he's uh, won the nomination from the Republican Party for candidate for Congress, U.S. Congress in District 19. We'll, so we'll visit with Byron. He's still got that uphill battle. He's going to uh, win the, uh, the race uh, in November. Uh, Dave Beagle, the author of "The Devil at Our Doorstep," will join us. William Yatman is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Look forward to talking to William as well as Sharon Kenny. Sharon is the author of "Where Should We Eat?" Uh, we'll look forward to uh, that visit as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks
0: so much for listening to the.